0: Welcome to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Your host, Jesse Jameson, has a real treat for you. You are about to hear a great story. And if Jesse brings his A-game, some good commentary too. And later on, we'll let you know how you can join Jesse as a guest. Now, without further ado, here's Jesse.
1: And Welcome back to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Today's friend is Deborah from Philadelphia. And the title of Deborah's story is Communication Matters. Deborah, I do this show every week. I have people come on, they share a story, and I'm all about communication matters, right? Because when, when you're telling a story from one person to another, you, you want to be able to fit yourself into their shoes, to, to walk a mile in their shoes, so to speak, right? And, and, and feel what they were feeling. So I'm going to throw the floor to you. I want to thank you for being on Jesse Jameson and Friends. Debra, the floor is yours. Communication matters.
2: Well, thank you very much. And I speak from experience about communication. Um, I am a natural communicator. I remember being in school where we had a, a subject called public speaking, and everyone was absolutely terrified to speak. They didn't want to go up. They didn't know what they would say. And I couldn't wait to get up on stage and start speaking. And I would speak and speak and speak. And then I would notice that from behind the scenes, um, from behind the curtain, people were pointing at their watch and trying to get my attention because I had exceeded my time speaking before an audience. And they were asking me that I had to really wrap up and leave.
1: Now, and where, did the, where did this start? Because for me, it happened in first grade. They had a talent show. And I just said to myself, I'm not going to be the lonely uh, shy kid. I'm going to be the kid that everybody loves. And I went and we did our kindergarten talent show and and I've been kind of a fun person ever since. But it's interesting what you say because a lot of my friends that are guys, I feel like they're reserved and they don't talk enough. And a lot of my friends that are girls, God, they talk too much, Deborah, What are your thoughts on that?
2: I do think that there is a difference. I, I am absolutely, I, I I never thought that I would say that, but I think that there is a difference in communication between women and men. And I think it's simply the way you were raised. Just like anything else, whether you're a boy being raised in a house filled with women or a woman in a house filled with with boys, there's just, I think that there are natural abilities. And I think speaking is really an ability that I have found over the years come much more naturally to women. Maybe it's because they were used to being... Put together more often than men. Maybe it was because they always had something to bitch about. Um, But I think that women have an easier time with communication than men do. Now I'm saying that generally because I know some men who are wonderful, wonderful speakers and wonderful talkers. And I know some women who are very afraid and very hesitant to get up and speak. But I think communication, when you can grasp its ability uh, you know, I taught communications and and I love working with students. And I always tell students, talk to as many people as you can. You never know when the person in front of you in a line at a grocery store might be someone whose uncle is in television or someone whose husband has a connection in a firm you're trying to get a job in. And talking is the door that opens that brings you into the same room with that person. I have a wonderful story, which is a true story. When I was in school, there was a friend of mine who was at a bus stop. And this was in the days when you would carry your your art, my background is in design and and marketing, in a briefcase, in a portfolio case. And this man said to her, who was also at the bus station, um, oh, are you an artist? And she said, yes, I am. And he said, oh, well, I happen to work for such and such a show, which was the Mike Douglas show here in Philadelphia. And he said, why don't you come down and apply for a job? You can use my name. So she did and she got the job and she became a very high placed executive with the, with the show. And when they were moving to California, they asked if she would go with them. And she moved out to California, had a wonderful position And I like to tell anyone I can who's in communications that it started at a bus stop. And you never know where a conversation will take you. You start talking to people, you start talking to different people at different ages, at different times, and you'll be very surprised. I was actually coming home once from Florida. I was very young and I sat next to a woman who was from Philadelphia and we just started talking. And she said, I had a layover in Philadelphia at the time. And she said, well, why don't you come to my house and you could have dinner with us? So I did. I took advantage of having a nice meal while I had a layover. Um, And she and her husband lived in Philadelphia and she was involved in theater. And she got me very interested in theater and opened doors for me that were to people who were very interesting and helpful. You never know where a conversation will take you, but I do know that communication is one of the most important tools you can use in really creating a very interesting and exciting dynamic that happens. Conversation is wonderful. Communication is wonderful.
1: I agree with you. I think there's a big story here. It's kind of the story of everything, because if you think about it, every single friend I've ever met from kindergarten on up, right? It almost all started with a fun little conversation. What's your name? My name's Jesse. What do your parents do? Well, my parents—you <laughs> know—my parents a stay-at-home mom. You know, where's your dad? He's a worthless guy somewhere in Oklahoma. And before you know it, you either like this person or you don't. And it kind of happens this way all throughout life. Same yes. with your same with your coworkers. Your coworker is no different than that—you know—little Joey kid that you wanted to be friends with in kindergarten. Uh, the only difference is, is now obviously it's somebody that you're going to be friends with as an adult. So maybe instead of spending the night and playing GI Joes, maybe you go bowling with them or out to a you know, movie or something, mm-hmm. but it all, it all starts with a conversation.
2: Same it thing. all starts with communication. Absolutely. Everything, everything.
1: Yep. Same yeah. thing, with, same thing with jobs in a weird way. When you meet your boss for the first time and you interview with them you're kind of letting them know the story of you from a, a professional point of view. You know what I mean? I so, do. Yeah. So when when did you first have, uh, you know, do you remember when you were a little girl and you said, you know, I, I there's something to this communication? It's kind of a, a little bit of a skill or a little bit of a, a talent to be able to communicate?
2: <laughs> you know, I my father was, he was uh, a newspaper reporter. So he did a lot of talking. And I think that... I apologize for that.
1: Now, see, I I find that interesting. Let's communicate about it. Somebody's trying to reach you. Uh And instead of the regular Joe Schmo stock, you know, ring that you have on some cosmic selection, what makes somebody choose that ringer? Or is that a specific ringtone for a specific person?
2: I just liked it. I thought it was a very happy sound. I, I liked the way it rang and, and it makes enough of an impact. It's interesting you say that because several people have said, oh, I'm not familiar with that tune. But you know, when you're, when you're picking the tune for your iPhone, there are many that you can actually customize. Right. So just thought that was almost like a ship arriving in port. Here it comes. So it's nice. You know, it's interesting when you talk about communications, even as like children, when they begin communicating at a very early age. I did a um, a program, I, I have a therapy dog, and she's involved in a program called Tail Wagon Tutors, where the children read a story to the dogs. And the dogs build confidence because when they read in the class, if they mispronounce a word, the other children can laugh at them, call them names. So this is a way of building their confidence. But I was amazed at how some students just had a natural ability at a very early age to talk, to communicate, to read the story, to ask me questions about what I thought about the story, to ask me how I felt. And it makes me wonder sometimes if it's a natural born ability. And I think you can always, if it's not natural born, you can create it, you can build it. You can work on it, just like you can work and improve anything. Um, But, you know, it's really a skill that from a very early age takes you into different worlds. It takes you, even as a child, five years old, six years old, you start talking, just as you said, to another little boy on the playground or another little girl. And it takes you into their world and what they do and what their parents do. And you talk to another playmate on the playground, and you go into that person's world. And that really follows you your whole life. Conversation and communication takes you into many different worlds. And the more worlds you enter, I think the better experience you you have and build on in order to create a very interesting and um, conversational world around yourself.
1: Bill Cosby used to have a show, I, I believe it was called Kids Say the Darndest Things. And they would have these little kids, they, lo- they all look adorable, right? Kids are just little mini versions of adults, so they all look cute as heck. Uh-huh. And, but but the, the, the cutest ones are really the ones that sound like adults when they talk. Yes. There, there, there's also a safety involved in communication. One of my earliest memories as a child was that of how the bully communicates, you know, the bully takes you off one-on-one, you know, by yourself, and they tend to try to bully kids in the way that, you know, bullies do. I always learned early that I can kind of sense who the bully is and just kind of stay away from them. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating that we never stand up to bully. I'm just right. saying that if you talk to somebody and when you communicate and, and you kind of feel like, oh, this person's a little off, there, mm-hmm. are, so, there are some people that will put on their, you know, their university hat, right? And they'll say I want to talk to this person. They have issues or whatever. I say don't mess with that. They're giving you an issue that they're a little off. You want to avoid those people in the world. So I think there's a safety that can be developed through communications. Do you think, think do you think that that way or how do you see the bully or that situation?
2: Well, you know, it's very interesting because I've seen it handled several ways and I think that a lot of times the bully is very intimidated if someone converses with them in a way that they are not comfortable. You know, I think most bullying is really, bullying is, is the individual lacks a certain amount of maybe confidence or or he does this or she does this because they want attention. I don't know. There are a lot of different reasons. But I think that when you confront a bully with conversation, it sort of unnerves them because they're used to crying or, you know, another person getting very angry at them. But I think when you you say, I, I remember I saw a little boy go up to a bully or someone who was like pushing him. And he said, you're just doing this because you don't know how to talk to me. You don't know how to talk to anybody. And when you don't know how to talk to anybody, what you do is you just push them away. And I thought that was brilliant. You know, he actually used communication. To- yeah,
1: but Deborah, times have changed. If I would have said that to my bully, he, he would have given me a black eye. I don't <laughs> I don't know if I would recommend that, Deborah. Deborah, you know who you... you know- this
2: bully did not, did not, he just walked away. It was like, you know, he didn't expect that kind of reaction. We yeah. all have to try that out in, in, you know, practicality and see what happens. But I was just amazed at that. It was, it was on a playground. And I think sometimes confronting someone with their own insecurities can really achieve a lot.
1: Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm a I'm a relationship builder. So one of the things I do usually when I enter a new workplace, and I usually stick to my own gender. So I'll go with guys that are friends and I'll say, Hey, Bob, what are you doing for lunch today? Go mm-hmm. with me, go with me. I'm going to Taco Bell. Let's go. I'll, I'll buy you lunch. And then usually they're like, You'll buy me lunch. Let's go. And before you know it, you realize, you know, hey, Bob is a father of two. Uh, Bob has bills just like me. Bob has yep. uh, things that he has as goals. And before you know it, you and Bob are friends. Now, some mm-hmm. people some people will take a step back from that and they say, Jesse, that sounds like bribery to me. No, I consider it an investment because when you go out and you buy lunch for folks and you try to be a friend and you actually be a genuine friend, it comes back to you tenfold. So, you know, that's one of the things that I do with communication is I try to, you know, hey, I realize it's not always easy to come out of your shell and introduce yourself to me. So I'm going to come out of my shell and I'm going to introduce myself to you. So I'm kind of a proactive communicator in that, in that respect.
2: And I think being a proactive communicator is wonderful for many reasons. One is it puts the other person at ease because they don't have to take that first step, which they might be very hesitant about. Right. I also love using humor in communications Uh, I I, guess from having my own business and having to deal with so many different situations, if I could laugh at it, then it made me feel better. But one of my favorite stories is most people are very hesitant or I, I should say intimidated by networking events. You know, you don't know anyone in the room, you have to go up to them, you have to introduce yourself. I love them because I say I want to meet every single person in this room and I make it a little uh, a challenge. But anyway, there was this one person walking around and he had a name tag on and I had wanted to do work for this company. So I, his name was Charlie. And I said, Charlie, it is so great to see you again. I have to tell you that conversation we had last time, I could not stop thinking about it. It was riveting. I told so many people, and and they were just in awe. Now, we never had a conversation. I never met this man before. But I'm talking to Charlie like I knew him, and we had this great conversation. And you could see the look on his face, trying to remember, who's this woman? What did we talk about? I don't even remember it. She doesn't even look familiar. Oh, my God, what am I missing here? And finally, when he was totally perplexed, and he said, I am so sorry, but... I can't remember the conversation. And I said, oh, I'm just pulling your leg. <laughs> he burst into laughter and we both started laughing. And he said, you really had me going for a while. I just kept thinking, who are you and what are we talking about? And that's a way of using humor to just, I think when two people can laugh, it's opened a door. Because you're both at that same emotional level at that time. And it's really very interesting. I, I think that humor is a really wonderful way to get into various situations that you want to. Because once you have the other person laughing, then you're both laughing. And when you're both laughing, you're both exactly at the same level.
1: You know, I agree with you there uh, part way. So the part that I agree with you is I think laughter is a great icebreaker, right? And it really does put people at ease, especially if you do kind of start the conversation rather than, you know, know, trying to get them to start a conversation, right? But if I was going to tell my son or daughter, hey, you're at the bus stop. And some person comes up to you and starts talking about the party that you guys went to, This, that, and the other run, just run. Absolutely. Hey, We're, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to, we're going to get back into communication matters with Deborah from Philadelphia. We'll be back in a minute.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America.
4: There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
2: When it comes to financial planning, most of us would probably rather have a root canal. Math, budgets, keeping ourselves and our loved ones secure after retirement, planning for retirement, risk, reward, and the like. How
1: do you find the answers you need? Tune into Fiscal Fitness with John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina. They'll help you feel more secure in your investments and your future.
3: Listen every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Thanks for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends.
3: So,
1: Deborah, when we went to break, I was talking about, you know, the crazy guy at the bus stop, but what you're talking about in networking could be huge because I, uh, there used to be a famous saying, I forget how it went, but basically it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, and there is something to that because if you know somebody that knows Mike Wallace and then you apply for a job and you list that somebody as your reference, that's a big advantage over the next guy. And if you get that from a fun conversation with a complete stranger at the bus stop, amen, that's Awesome. Right, and so when we reach out to our brothers and sisters that we don't know, and we try to befriend them, yes, there's some people that you you'd be better off not ever speaking with, but predominantly, most people do have something to share, and in many cases, cases it might be of, of some value. So I'll give the uh, I'll give the mic back to you, Deborah. What are your thoughts?
2: You know, there's some very interesting information on communication and individualism, and. I read a study once where it is really a core, at the core of everyone is this ability to communicate because it is how we survived from prehistoric times. We were able to tell our our worries, our directions, our our fears. And if we were not able to do that, i.e. through conversation, we never would have evolved. We simply would have died out. So communication is a very strong, core, talent, ability, whatever you want to call it, that I think has tremendous strength. Did you ever meet someone and you immediately like them? And many times, it's they just had such a nice way of, of talking. They just made you feel comfortable. They made you feel really good. You yes,
1: Yes, but I think there's something complex about the human condition. Part of what makes them comfy is not just the words that come out of their mouth, because there are some people that sound like automatons out there. Mm -hmm. Part part of it is their body language. For example, when I'm speaking to you, I don't get the idea that I'm speaking to somebody that is dangerous or mean. I get the intention that I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to somebody that is into communication, that's reasonable. Most people that communicate are reasonable. Here's an interesting thought I just had we have people say, hey, what would you rather have as a superpower? Would you rather have the ability to fly or would you rather have the ability to read minds? And people will contemplate you know, which one would be a better superpower. But the reality is when that first caveman or whatever we were way back when actually developed language to, to where he could speak and his family members understood him, that is the ability to read somebody's mind. I believe communication and language is actually an extension that makes reading another person's mind possible. I think
2: if we can't connect and we connect through language, then we are isolated and alone. And we're pack animals. Humans are pack animals. I mean, they like being in a group. They like being with others. That is a very strong drive. And what enables us to do that is communication. I think that you can strengthen your communication, you can improve your communication. But it's the communication. You know, there was a study done and in it, it asked why people shopped at a store if it didn't have a good selection and the prices were higher than they could get it at someplace else. This was just a little test that they did where they asked people where they shopped. In nine out of 10 responses, the people said that they shopped there because they felt good going in there. That the people who own the store would ask them about their family they would be involved with you know oh i heard your husband got a new job how's that going oh what about your son did he get accepted at any of the schools he's applied to yet they took it on a personal level of talking to this person makes them feel good because it's a connection i I call it the human connection when we make a connection with someone we really have established, I'm not going to say it's a strong bond, but there's a connection. And I think that connection is what makes us human. And being pack animals, that's a very important connection because it's how we are enabled to talk about our, our lives, our wishes, our wants, our hopes, our fears. And it connects us as people, as a clan, as a group. And without that, we are basically just, wild animals, even when you think about animals, they might not speak the way we do, but they still communicate. I mean, I think animals have an an incredibly strong way of communicating. Sometimes they will give you, it's very interesting. I read an article once about, you know how dogs will do the head tilt when you're talking to them and everybody says, oh, it's so adorable. When I talk to my dog, she tilts her head or he tilts his head. Like he's really listening to what I'm saying. Well, animals in the wild do not do that. Domesticated animals learned that particular gesture from humans because humans did it when they were talking to each other and it was a form of affection or I'm really listening to you. And animals started to imitate that because it got them a treat or it got them a pet or it got them a little like, oh, you're so cute, you're so adorable. And I think that's fascinating that, that dogs picked that up, our habit of tilting our head from us and identified it with actually getting more from the experience.
1: That is fascinating. No, that is absolutely fascinating. I take it to another level and I say, wow, this guy taught his dog how to go to the bathroom on the toilet <laughs> or wow. Well, this guy taught his dog some German words, right? So that, you know, nobody could confuse the dog except for, you know, teach the dog except for him. But what you say is really true. That little nod they do, yep. it, it does make them human. And that's why we love them almost more than humans in some cases. Yes, the
2: wild animals, I mean, the, 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 you know, the wild breeds do not do that. It's, that's only found in domesticated animals. And they pick that up from us. So I think that that is, (laughs) that is really wonderful that they do it and they do get extra treats.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they do. Yeah.
2: So There's a reward with that. (laughs) But I think that when you break communication down, it's, you communicate on so many levels. You communicate with touch. You know, you communicate with just your look. You communicate in a lot of different ways. Verbal communication is the strongest because in a sense, that really explains and tells a story.
1: Do you but, teach communication? Do you? Yes. Okay, so let me ask you this though. I've heard about some unwritten rules. Let's go over them. Let's see what your thoughts are. What about the three foot rule? It, like, for example, you said that you go to the uh, networking parties and get together's and you just start saying, "Hey, you remember when we did A, B, and C, right?" And you get them uh-huh. to finally fess up that, "Hey, I don't even know you." And then you say, "I'm just kidding," and it becomes right. this icebreaker, but you don't do that like one foot away from their face, right? Do you obey the three Correct. foot foot role? Are there some rules of communication that that you go over that maybe well, we no don't one, No
2: one likes anyone to be right in their face. I mean, that is, I think, no matter where you are, what your position is, you don't want someone right in your face. You want some personal space. So much of this seems like it's just a natural knowledge, but I know sometimes it's not. Sometimes people will come right up to you and they're, faces three inches from yours, and it's uncomfortable. So you do want to like have a nice distance. You're not going to have, you know, like five feet, because that's going to be ineffective. But think of the other person and what you're comfortable with. So many times, I think if you ask yourself, how comfortable am I with someone being this amount of distance from me? It's a pretty good gauge. You know, two, three feet, you're still within the realm of being close enough to talk. And it's a different world now, of course, with the pandemic. So everyone is, is, you know, really aware of even more distancing, but I mean, you know, in networking, you're, you were in a room with a lot of people and you were pretty close when you were talking and walking. And um, that's changed a little bit now, but I think that the, the behavior and the purpose is, is still really to meet and chat because I think it's through communication that we break down barriers and we, Make people feel comfortable. And when you can do that, you know, many of the clients I have and had, we maintain friendships long after the business relationship may have ended for whatever reason. It may have, you know, been moving to a different city for them or merging with a different company. But one of the things that I really always felt very proud about was that we had connected And I think when you connect with another person, that's a very, very special thing. It's a
1: beautiful thing. It really is. Let me ask you a question, because there's something in the news that you and I have heard a lot about recently. Governor Andrew Cuomo, he blames a lot of his problems on his cultural biases, which with Italians and some uh, some different cultures around the world, they like to kiss cheeks. They like to hug in a very uh, familial way. And for some other cultures, right, it might be a little uncomfortable to be that close to people. Now, now Governor Cuomo took it to an excessive level, obviously, because he ended up getting kicked out of office, right? We, we won't even go there because this is not about him. But have we evolved to the point where maybe 30 years ago, it was okay to kiss somebody's cheek in a greeting, even if they were a stranger, whereas now that's kind of taboo and we're, we're starting to evolve away from, from that?
2: You know, I don't know if there was ever at a point where culturally you could say it's okay to do. I always like to think that some people are just not comfortable with the behavior and others are. And I, you know, even now I'll say, you know, do you mind a kiss on the cheek or do you mind if I shake hands? I'll ask them because, especially because of the pandemic and because of what we're in, but you know, it was a different world 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, right. it was much more, um, with the touching and the feeling. And, and, and I think that there were a lot of barriers that were not up then. And, and I know even as a woman, I mean, I never really had to face that because I had my own business. But I know many other women who worked for companies would say, oh, you know, every morning when I meet with the boss, it's like, it's just, oh, sit down and it's touchy-feely and I'm so uncomfortable. And that was almost an accepted thing. It wasn't a
1: right thing. Deborah, time out. I agree with you because when I was younger, I'm only in my mid-40s, but I can remember as early as 15, 20 years ago, the boss felt like he had a right to give everybody a groping hug. and And oh, by the way, it was only given to the females. For the guys, it was a pat on the back or a high five. It was very professional yet fun with the girls it was like it was almost like the boss felt like he had a right to give him a full bear hug every yes, day yes and
2: ask the boss in many cases he really felt that that was his right yes you know i mean i i would hear that from women all the time every time i'm in a meeting the boss would come over and give a hug to the woman and ignore the men you know i think it takes a little bit of time for um attitudes and opinions to change i think that now it's it's accelerating a little bit more rapidly because of um, so many of the legalities that are involved now. But I, I think that there were always there were always people who got, and I'm not going to say high, but got pleasure from feeling the other person in an inappropriate way. And they were just sleazy people. right. They were in positions of power. and what you have when there are people in positions of power, they can get away with it. It's the same thing now with politicians, with, you know, people in in, in, the pro, in a profile a hype. You know, they're in positions where they assume that because they're in those high positions, that is something that they could do. And that is wrong. But, it, it you know, it does take time for things to change.
1: Deborah, let's let's talk about something else for four minutes before we go on break that I always find interesting. When I was younger and even recently, like I I think people still do it occasionally, you would meet your significant other through the workplace and it would usually start with a friendship communication, right? And then slowly but surely, maybe it becomes more than a friendship and you end up marrying these people or dating them or whatever the case might be. Over the last five, six, seven, eight years... We're starting to get to the point where you're not really supposed to see your place of employment as a place where you're supposed to meet your significant other, or at least I feel it's discouraged because, you know, there's a lot of, you can open up a big can of worms, if you will. What are your, what are your thoughts on maybe uh, communicating in the form of relationship communicating at the workplace? Because I'm sure you've seen that change too, haven't you?
2: I have. I've seen it change a lot. I think that if you do feel an attraction to someone you've got to take it out of the workplace. I think that, you know, because you work so many hours, that's really where you're probably going to have the highest chance of meeting someone. Those are just simply the statistics. However, I don't believe that there should be affairs that are going on at work with, with, it's just not appropriate. And when I say affairs, dating outside and even, you know, being involved, But don't carry it over into the office. It's just inappropriate. And it is, especially in this day and age, it it could be very risky and dangerous.
1: Now, those are things, let's be honest, in communications, it probably didn't come up 20, 30 years ago, I'd imagine, in a communications class. Does that stuff come up in a communications class now? Because there are some communications that could get you in a lot of trouble.
2: And yes, and that's where communications are very important because you don't want the communications you have or say to be misconstrued and misinterpreted. It's very easy for a person to say, oh, I thought when you were talking to me, you were actually expressing an interest in me because you were communicating so well or whatever. Right. People people can say a lot of things. I think your job as a communicator on the other side of the coin is to say, I'm sorry if you misconstrued my statements, but I'm not interested in being involved any other way than professionally. I mean, you don't have to do it in a way that's going to be condescending or or inflict any kind of, of harshness to it. And I think that's the beauty of communications. When you're comfortable with communications, you can really say what a lot of people can't or find difficulty saying, or they don't say, I mean, I've spoken to people who will say, well, he's my boss. I don't really say anything. Now, this was before, I think now that they would. So I just, you know, he's my boss. And that has changed. Now it's, I'm sorry, but I find that inappropriate. Very easy. You know, you don't have to say it angrily, but I really am uncomfortable when you make that gesture to me. I hope we can Eliminate that, and we will both be happy. And I think there's much more of, a, of an awareness now because of the, you know, publicity and the and the coverage of that. But I think that I, you know, again, I look at communications, and in a situation like that, a lot of people are uncomfortable with saying those things. A because they haven't used that a lot, let's say in their career, they might have never had that issue before. So suddenly, for the first time, they have to use communications to say. I don't want you touching me. I don't like the way you're looking at me. I don't like the way you approach me in the morning, but you have to say it in a way that's going to keep your job, not offend the person and do it in a way that's going to keep you in a good standing because this is how you make a living.
1: Deborah, I don't like going to commercial all the dang time, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk with Deborah a little bit more about communication matters. We'll be right back.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
4: Have you ever been interested in technology or the application? Technology is always changing, and there is definitely a place for you in it. Listen for Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. Sharon and her guests teach you the skill set and present resources that help you incorporate and enhance technological know-how in your current career as well as prepare you for future success. Listen every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Would you like to host your own radio show? Jesse Jameson is an executive producer with the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the leader in live and on-demand internet talk radio. Jesse serves as executive producer to over a dozen shows on our network. If you'd like to connect with Jesse to be a guest on a show, do some advertising, or even want to talk about hosting your very own show, give him a call at 480-553-5719 or email him at jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's 480-553-5719 or email jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com.
3: How is your business plan working out? Could it use improvement? A lot of companies don't even examine their business plans, let alone review and revise it on a regular basis. Tune in to Let's Talk Business with Phaedra. Host Phaedra Hanks has years of experience helping businesses with their strategic planning. Now she's ready to bring you the tips to business success from startup to success. Tune in Fridays at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Do you have a super short story that you'd like to have Jesse read on the show? Simply email him. You ready? It's jesse.jameson at voiceamerica.com. And who knows? Jesse might just read your short story on a future show. And now, back to Jesse Jameson and Friends.
1: So, Deborah, here's my question to you you obviously teach communications. Do you have a website or do you have a book or is how can people in my audience potentially reach out to you to, to learn more about what you do? Do you have a website? Well, I'm all
2: on, I'm on social media. Um, my website is Um, And I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on social media. I'm on messenger, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that the important thing is you can reach me, just do a search in Google for Deborah, D E B R A Malamix, M A L I N I C S, and it will bring up the sites that you can, you know, find me, reach me, talk to me, whatever. Um, I'm working on an, another website, and I think that this is the this is the time of social media of websites and messenger and LinkedIn. So
1: I have a coworker named Steve Poimatier. And he told me that, hey, you got to have Deborah on your show. She's an expert communicator. You're going to be doing a show on the Voice America network. Do, what's the title of your show going to be, and and when's it going to start, and wh- how do people tune in?
2: I am very excited about this. It's called Communication Matters, which says it all. And I will be starting it on September fifteenth, which is a Wednesday, so it will be a one hour show in the morning at nine a.m. on Voice America. And um, it will be a weekly, a weekly show on communications. I'll have some guests, I'll have some people who are involved in communications, and it's a way of just talking and finding out what's going on and, and how you can be better at communicating. And you know one of the things that I've always found so fascinating, and and I forget the term that they have now for it, but you know, sometimes when they bring in the police to talk down to someone, to, you know, really work with them from a communication standpoint to diffuse a a situation. And I think they're actually diffusing a situation through communications. I mean, that's what this person was brought in for. So if that could be done on that level, think of the things you can do with communication. Not Not only can you diffuse a difficult situation, but you could so impact a positive. You know, I I With my business, I would always tell my employees, there are two words that I want you to learn and I want you to use, and I want you to regularly tell people these words. And the two words are thank you. They don't cost anything. You don't have to buy them. Two simple words, and they make such an impact on the person you are telling them to. So when you get a job and it's well done, call the person and say, thank you, the job is great. When you get a delivery earlier than was said, call that person and say, I just want to thank you for making that delivery even earlier. And I remember there was a printer who told me that in his whole career, only four agencies ever told him thank you. And I thought how sad, he said we would work night and day to make sure that the agencies got those jobs because we knew we were appreciated. Two words that cost nothing, but it makes the person feel appreciated.
1: Yeah. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that if people used please, and thank you more often, the world would be just a better place. I couldn't
2: agree more. I couldn't agree more because it makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you're appreciated. And that releases, you know, a, a variety of things in, in your body, and your mind. And, and people like to feel that they are appreciated. It's a very basic human response. I mean, it makes us do things. I, I used to tell my employees, if you say thank you, and my printers would tell me this, that they would work all night if I needed a job because they knew that I appreciated it and that I would always thank them for their time. I mean, it's so simple that you really think, why doesn't, why don't more people use that? I
1: don't know. So, so when somebody's going, when someone becomes maybe a communications major or is taking one of your courses or what have you, is there ever a part on less is more brevity?
2: Oh, th- yes. A lot is dependent on the situation. I mean, you have to be able to, Gauge. You have to be able to feel. You have to be able to assess. I mean, that's a part. Not only of communications. That's really just a part of being human and being aware. I mean, if somebody is in a rush and they say, you know, I've got to be somewhere at six o'clock, so I only have ten minutes. You're not going to say, well, let's sit down and you know, we can get some coffee and
3: right. You know, <laughs> you're going to have to
1: bust out the elevator pitch, right? you're going to have to let them know what you can in 7 minutes with what you thought you were going to need half an hour with them uh you know you know
2: yes and you said something very important and that was your elevator pitch and and I'm very very I feel strongly about this everyone should have an elevator pitch um because you should be able to tell a person what you do in a few sentences And the more you say it, the more impacted it becomes in your mind, the stronger it becomes and the more comfortable you feel saying it. I'm a very strong believer in the power of thought. And I think that when you think something, you begin to believe it more and more. It's just like your parents when they say, you are so smart, you know, you are so good, you are so, you know, you hear it again and again and again, it begins to form the core of your personality. Because you believe all of those things. But the body-mind connection is very, very strong. I think in 50 years, it's going to be amazing what we can do with, with our minds and the communication to our bodies. We're not there yet. But communications is at the core of, of just about everything we do, everything we think, everything we...
1: Now, Deborah, maybe this is where you and I differ. I think the future of communication is in peril. I think we're going to live in a world in the future where people talk to each other less and less just based on, you know, how they look like they're talking going. Talking
2: through their minds. I really see the future. It could be a nonverbal. Um, isn't, that,
1: isn't that crazy yet weird yet fascinating? I mean, Even think about it's it.
2: Not, but it's still communicating. It's just nonverbally. So, in
1: a, it. a, a, so true or false in the future, true or false, Deborah? We could have a situation where from outward appearances or even from a 20th century lens, it might look antisocial, but it could be technically more sociable and more communicative than ever.
2: No, I agree with that. Definitely. You're still communicating. You're just not doing it verbally. You're doing it either with mental telepathy or you're doing it with with much more signage, with much more um, traits and, and gestures, but it's still communicating. In my mind, communicating is communicating. There could be other ways of of communicating other than verbal.
1: What if, we, course, what, what if we communicate more with like, and I, I'm going forward maybe a hundred years from now, but will there be a future time where maybe we communicate more with our own home personal robot? And will we make that robot just communicate just the way we do? Or will we give them the ability to communicate like Elvis? Any thoughts on some goofy sci-fi future thoughts like that? Will we communicate with robots? <laughs>
2: Well, actually, I think robots will be an integral part of the future for sure. Um, I don't think that their communication is going to be as, as long as we have internal feelings and, and emotions, until we create that in a robot, and, and I don't doubt that one day there will be that, but I think that's what makes us human. A, a robot could do the exact same thing, it could do it better than we can, but what makes us different is the fact that we have emotion and communication and our communication is based on emotion. You know, when we're angry, how we communicate.
1: Deborah, you just brought up something interesting. There is a dark side to communicating. We as humans, I've always been told are the only ones that have the ability to lie. Is this true? And is that a dark side of us? Or is that actually a defense mechanism? What what is lying to a person in the communications field?
2: I think lying is a form of protection. I think we fear things, so we lie to make them better. We feel inferior in a particular job that we're doing, so we lie and say we find it easy. You know, we make ourselves smart or we say we graduated from a school we didn't attend because we feel inferior. I think that most of our actions as humans are caused by our our emotions and we communicate, you know, these shortcomings when we when we talk. You know, did you ever read the book, The Great Imposter?
1: No, but a lot of times in careers, we we have imposter syndrome, right? Where we think mm-hmm. we don't really belong. And then slowly but surely we realize, oh, everybody is just as clueless as I am, right? But right. What, tell me a little bit about that. Is, that,
2: is a great, it, that is a great discovery. And you mentioned a little bit about that before, when you had say you walk into a room and you realize all of these people in the room have the same insecurities, have the same doubts as you do. We never tend to think that because, oh my goodness, you know, there are so many people here. I have to meet them and they're also, but you know, we're all human. We're, we, we're pack animals. We enjoy being with each other. We connect from, from communication. If we're better with communication, we can probably connect a little bit more effectively. Now, what was the question you asked?
1: Well, just what was the book, The Imposter Syndrome about? When I it think was of- about
2: how this particular person, because he believed he can do this, he impersonated a surgeon, he impersonated a pilot, and he flew a plane. I oh, mean, I- this man.
1: I think I saw a movie about this guy or I saw. Yes. Right. And I think I saw Good Morning America interview or story about this gentleman. He works for the CIA
2: now, I believe, or he works for one of the government. He he
1: did that Catch Me If You Can movie or, or something like that with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, I think.
2: He just did it like he believed it. And people followed because he must be this because he knows what he's doing. You know, and and that's almost like communication in its ultimate form of how you can take it. And 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 how can you get in a plane? Could you imagine the confidence you have to have and believing you that you can do it?
1: Well, <laughs> well it, it, it's interesting because a couple of years back, I've always loved zucchini bread. I mean, I could eat zucchini bread every day. I love it so much. And I finally went on YouTube and I listened to four or five uh, different YouTubers describe how to bake a zucchini bread. And I ended up baking a world-class zucchini bread for about six or seven months. And then I got off of zucchini bread and I haven't made one since. <laughs> but, but the point is, if somebody could learn how to make zucchini bread as well as I did, I'd imagine if they took the time, they could learn how to fly an airplane. They could learn how to do surgery to the point where they could maybe fall somebody somewhere, right? In Ukraine, hopefully not America. But yeah, there's something really powerful about communication. It really is. It, like I said this earlier, I, I really believe it's an extension of reading minds. When I'm reading a Jules Verne book that was penned in the, <laughs> in the 1800s, I, I feel like I'm, I'm reading his mind because at one point he sat down at a table and penned out these words. So, you, you know, they were going through his mind before they made it to the paper. Uh And so I've always enjoyed reading because, again, I feel like it's an extension of reading minds.
2: Well, let me ask you a question. How many times have you said in your career or you might have been with a group of friends and you were discussing something and you said, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that this is not a good idea or I know what you're thinking you're going to say. And in essence, that is really reading someone's mind
1: yeah and at least at least a percentage of the time you're right right unless they're totally out of it and they're like no i was just thinking about my girlfriend what what were you talking about now no so i agree with you there's times where you do kind of well same thing with twins twins are famous uh deborah for finishing the other twin sentence Mm -hmm. they know so much about the way they communicate and they know so much about how their brother or sister their twin is so much like them that when their brother and sister's going off on a tirade they could literally fill in the blanks. It's kind of amazing if you think about it. Right, That's
2: an interesting combination of of communication and and genes. You know, it's just, it's really interesting. I think that, you know, the bottom line is that communications really, they are a very strong tool. The tool you use to really tell other people your strengths, your weaknesses, your desires, your wishes. It's what you use to tell the person you love, how important they are to you. It's what you use to tell people on a job, how you want them to perform. Think of all of the different ways you are using communication throughout the day in a 24 hour period in so many different situations. And you don't stop and think, oh, you know, this is what my, you know, it's all a different communication. You do it naturally because you just learn how to proceed and how to effectively say things to people over a period of time and you use it better and better, the more you do it like anything else. the More often you do something, the better you're going to be at it. And if you use communications on a regular basis, then chances are you will become better and better at communicating, at conveying thoughts, at reaching an audience. So many times I've talked to people and they said the first time they ever got up on a stage, they were so terrified, they were sweating, they were shaking, they were so nervous. And after a while, you know, you get a little bit more comfortable and and pretty soon, you know, within a year or two, however long it takes that individual, you're comfortable doing it. And if you look back on those first early days, you say, I can't believe how frightened I was. So it really is interesting to think that through communications, you could really create a wonderful path down the road you want to walk. And that's what I think is so wonderful.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. So for the listeners at home, today's guest is Deborah. If you're just tuning in now, rewind to the beginning and listen to the show. Because Deborah, it really behooves you to actually master communication and not only just, you know, how to do a conversation, but like we were talking about earlier, everyone should have their own elevator pitch for something that they're doing, right? Because you never know when you're caught in a pinch and you want to say some magic words before you poof, disappear from that person's life forever, you know?
2: And I tell people, talk to a lamp. A lamp is not going to talk back. Tell the lamp who you are and what you do, because a lot of people say, well, you know, I, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. Then say it again and again and again, because the more often you say it, the more comfortable you will be with it. And the more comfortable you are with it, I think the stronger impact you make to the person you're telling.
1: Well, and I'm a, I'm a firm believer that instead of the lamp, I always recommend, hey, speak to the mirror. Because then you can, well, because yes, you, you, you can, can yes. you, you can also yes. gauge your, your body language. When you talk, mm-hmm. you want to come across as not aggressive and angry right. people that are aggressive and angry and start snarling their brow and stuff, uh, and putting bass in their voice. It, it, that's a turn-off. You know what I mean? You got to learn how to communicate without using anger and intimidation. On the other end, you also have to learn how to communicate without giving TMI. You know, you don't want to be the guy that gives everything up, you know, give it a little bit at, at a time. So I think there's strategy when it comes to how do you communicate in, in certain situations. But Deborah, I want to thank you for being on Jesse Jameson and friends. I hope you enjoyed your time here.
2: I and I love my time. I, I am amazed at how quickly it has passed. Um, I... I I just feel like we've only been talking 10 minutes. Are you sure we've really been on for an hour?
1: (laughs) Well, it's three 17-minute segments, but we got some commercial (laughs) breaks in there. But, Deborah, I hope you'll come on again in the future. And to everyone at home, thank you for listening again to Jesse Jameson and Friends. Tune in again next week when we have another friend come on to share another story. Deborah, thanks again.
0: Thank you for joining us again for another episode of Jesse Jameson and Friends. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Be sure to tune in again next week for another great story. Jesse Jameson and Friends is heard every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Jesse Jameson and Friends is a proud presentation of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. All rights reserved.